Welcome to the Christian Life Austin podcast. Visit clcaustin.com for the latest news, register for an upcoming event, or support the Christian Life ministry through our online giving portal. We trust that you'll enjoy today's message. Thank you once again for listening. today. We're going, to, we're going to continue this thesis that Pastor Kevin started last week on Mind Monsters, and uh, we're going to talk about it a little bit here today, and uh, just asking God to help us with that. So would you join somebody's hand and say, Dear Father, help Pastor today to preach real good, and help me today to listen even better, and let the Word Find free course in my heart, in my spirit, to direct my life. For it's in Jesus' name, amen. God bless. Clap your hands and you may be seated. You're awesome people. Amen. You may be seated. As I was saying after last week's visit by Pastor Kevin, and being this is October, we're starting a series or continuing a series today called Mind Monsters. This is the month we talk a lot about monsters and goblins and boogeymen. And we're going to take a few weeks, not only today, but a few weeks next week to talk about the creeping things and the monsters that attack our minds and terrorize the way we think. But before I, before I get started today, I, I, thought I, would, I thought I would play a video today, not just yet. I thought I'd, let me preface it. I thought I'd play a video today. Uh... Of a, of a man that his mom has been in our church for the last 12 years. 1998, he was looking for a record. He was looking for a record uh, to be the, the highest college rusher in history, NCAA history. And on the sidelines was the man that held the record, Tony Dorsett, that played at Pittsburgh. And Ricky Williams was in the backfield. And the, the teams that were lined up were Texas and A&M. And... Uh, I thought it would be nice to show both teams today since uh, I have a lot of wonderful Aggies in this church and some horns that bleed burn orange. So I thought I'd show you this today just to sh- not, 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 to, not to show the Aggies giving up this run, but to show Ricky making a run and then to, to, to state a point with you. So let's line it up right here. Here it is. It's in the first quarter. Put it up here and let's see what happens. No HD. On the 40-yard line, hand off to Ricky, over left tackle, goes between the guard and tackle. Uh-oh. 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 Wasn't that beautiful? I love old Ricky. But there's an old football adage. As old as football is, that every football coach knows that's the first truth that you better know about winning. And that is, and what you didn't see, you saw 34 break in between a guard and a tackle. What you didn't see, except perhaps Octavius Bishop, what you didn't see was that left tackle flattening his defensive end, put him on the ground. And 
What we understand about football is that the team that controls the line of scrimmage usually wins the football game, whether it's offense, whether it's defense. Now, I want you to get this down in your heart today. The mind that I'm going to be talking about is the line of scrimmage in your life. It's not that guy coming behind you. And whoever controls the line of scrimmage in your life, whether it be good thoughts whether it be evil thoughts, whether it be great things or whether it be mind monsters, controls your life. The reason for that, there is a battle for your mind taking place at this very moment, a battle in your mind whether you're going to listen to pastor or whether you're going to turn him off today. Paul compares the mind in Corinthians to a fortress. He says your mind is like a castle. It's a stronghold. And it's constantly under attack. And there's a battle raging within your mind in which the only prisoner that can be taken is you. And the devil wants to make your mind his spiritual headquarters. So you are the target and your mind is Satan's bullseye. Now why would the devil be so interested in your mind? The answer is very simple. If he can control your mind, he can control you. Because the mind is the control center of who we are. That's what the Bible means when it says, For as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. So really, you are not what you eat. You are really what you think. I read a story about a lady that went to a psychiatrist one day. And she says, Doctor, I've got a problem with my husband. said he thinks he's a racehorse. And the psychiatrist said, well, how do you know? She said, well, he wants to live in a barn and he wants to walk around on all fours and he even eats hay. And the doctor said, well, I'm sure I can cure him, but it will take probably a long time and it will take a tremendous amount of money. And the lady said, well, money's no object. He's already won two races. (laughs) You really are what you think. Yogi Berra once said about the game of baseball that 90% of this game is half mental. (laughs) I love Yogi. Well, the fact is, when it comes to spiritual warfare, 100% of the game is all mental. In fact, there's an old proverb that says you sow a thought and you reap an act. You sow an act and you reap a habit. You sow a habit and you reap character. You sow character and you reap a destiny. But notice that the very first thing of your destiny is that you have to have a thought. In other words, Paul is saying to us today, and we'll read a little later in Corinthians, that the mind is the process that hell wants to take away from you. You probably never heard of a man named Roger Babson, even though he's a picture of success in the modern era. Maybe some of you businessmen and ladies would know him. He's a brilliant mathematician, a millionaire businessman that formed a financial analysis company just a few years after graduating from the prestigious college MIT. He was sought after columnist for popular magazines and newspapers, and he even foresaw the stock market crash in 1929 using an economic assessment technique that he had developed and he had learned how to use. But Babson's main obsession, you got you to get this, was gravity. Gravity. That's right. 
When he was just a child, he had a sister that drowned in a swimming accident. And he believed from that moment that gravity was to blame. And he called it a dragon that came up and seized her. Decades later, his grandson also died tragically by drowning. And the incident seemingly led Babson to another dimension of this gravity thing because he established the Gravity Research Center, our foundation, as a means of discovering a scientific advancement to help mankind conquer the force of gravity. The man went all out trying to defeat a force he called our enemy, number one. The story really bothers me because a person doesn't graduate from a brilliant college like MIT and then enjoy a successful career as a businessman by disconnecting themselves from reason and from reality. And yet, here is a man, Roger Babson, who was just like the rest of us in many ways, except in his obsession to defeat a fundamental force, folks, in the universe. And I ask myself what drove him to such disregard for reality, at least in this area. Was it hurt from a sister's passing? Was it the pain of his boys lost? Was it heartache from the loss of both family members? Instead of accepting that life brings good and bad, Roger Babson allowed thoughts in his mind that drove him to some outlandish pursuits. So my question today for all of you and for the rest of this series is what about you? What about you? What do you have, Roger Babson, what do you have and Roger Babson have in common? Do you have thoughts continually that come into your mind that constantly wreck your thought process? Do you think like stuff like that painful divorce uh, may cause you to say, I'll never open my heart like that again? Or perhaps a business failure make you think, I don't have what it takes to be a success. Or maybe you feel somewhat satisfied in life, yet you face challenges in your thoughts, in your words, in your moods, in your emotions sometimes. Do you find yourself focusing on trouble around you instead of focusing on the good things? Do you lack real peace in your life? Are you conflicted in most areas of your life? Do you have trouble seeing the good things and what right was right in your life? And do you feel despair, depression, despite the apparent blessings around you? Do you go so far as to blame, God forbid, gravity? Do you do that or some other force for the hurt and the pain in your life? If you answer yes to one or more of these questions, then you may be experiencing what we're calling mind monsters. You may be in the middle of something that's absolutely eating you to pieces. And I come today in the name of the Lord. I come today before I go any further in the name of the Lord. We're going to take control and we're going to take dominion over those things because it's not the will of God for us to be battling things in our mind when the peace of God is in our heart because what psychiatrists and psychologists say is that the heart and the mind has got to line up. You've got to have line upness, not, not perpendicular. They cannot conflict each other. They've got to line up, and we've got to get them running the same direction. And if God has saved your soul and saved your heart, you've got to get this mind right and say, if God has saved me, then I am washed by the blood. If God has filled my life with his spirit, then I'm on my way to heaven. And I refuse to allow things to take me off the path that God has got me on. I'm going to walk this path in the name of the Lord. Mind monsters are those negative thoughts that we all battle. We all battle. It's the creeping shadows in the corner of your minds that feed your insecurities, that feed your worries, that feed your fears. It's the thoughts that lead us to irrational anger or undefined depression. But here's the good news today. With God's help, mind monsters 
will be and can be defeated in the name of the Lord. Amen. So what in the next four weeks we're going to try to get you to do? We're going to try to get you to recognize what they are. We're going to try to get you to reject them coming into your mind. We're going to try to get you to replace some things there that ought to be there instead of mind monsters. And then we're going to help you retrain so that you can return to the life that God wants for you. God Almighty wants you to have mental health. He wants you to have stability in your home. He wants you to have strength of purpose in your life. He wants you to understand that things are going to happen, but it doesn't have to take us down. We can be stronger than the things that come against us because greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world. Amen. 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 Second Corinthians chapter 10 verse 5 says it this way. It says we demolish. Say it with me. We demolish, demolish. arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. And we take captive. Wow. We take captive every thought to make it obedient to Jesus Christ. One of the most potent ways we can take thought captive and get rid of mind monsters is twofold. Number one, we have to build up our faith. Faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Everybody say faith cometh by hearing. Now I know many of you bought this book last week and you probably read it over two or three times, but there's nothing like hearing the word to you from what you have already read. Everybody say faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of the Lord. Everybody say you build up your faith praying in the Holy Ghost. And the third way that faith is built is every now and then you got to try it. Faith is going to be tried. And when faith is tried and it triumphs, it causes you to say, wow, I jumped that hurdle, raise it up. I'm tired of running the low hurdles. I'm ready to run the high hurdles. You understand that if God will take you through that situation, he'll bring you through another situation. For there is nothing that my God cannot do for us. There is nothing that my God cannot do for us. And filling your mind with the right things. That's the two ways. What would I advise? I advise, before I get started here today, become proactive with your mind monsters that are plaguing you right now. Discover them, destroy them, and live the best life that God has for you. That's what I would tell you. But, Pastor, I have faith in Jesus, and I love him, and I follow him. Why do I have the battle with these mind monsters? The truth is, a person can be saved and on their way to heaven and never miss church and still have to battle mind monsters. Throw them up, throw them up, throw them up. Put them up there. Put, them, put, those, put those thoughts in the mind. Put them up there, brother. The next slide. No, the next slide. The mind monsters, the little, little picture of the monsters in the mind. There they are. There you go. I told him I was going to jump around. I said, stay with me. He's having a hard time because I'm jumping. There's guilt. There's anger. There's discouragement. There's doubt. There's intimidation. There's weariness. There's worry. There's low self-worth. There's fear. We're going to talk about a little bit of that today. There's inferiority. These things come and they drag us down. And every one of us in this building today, every one of us in this building have felt one or more of these somewhere, sometime in our life. But we are going to do something today. We're going to demolish arguments and every pretension 
that sets itself up against the knowledge of God and we're going to take captive every thought to make it obedient unto Jesus Christ. I want to make a statement to you. It is impossible to live a positive life with a negative mind. Say it with me. It's impossible to live a positive life with a negative mind. You have got to have a positive mental outlook. Sound like to me it's a PMA rally. Well, call it what you want to call it. But I believe in going through life saying everything's going to be all right is a whole lot easier than going through life saying, what's happening next? I think you ought to stand up every morning and say, this is a great day. I'm a child of God. I belong to him. I know I'm going to have situations happen today in my life. But the power that is with me is greater than the substance in front of me. And the, and the source behind me is greater than the force that I'm going to meet. Because I've got a source that's more powerful than any force. I've got a source. Amen. In the beginning, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God, and the Word was made flesh. You know what made Jesus Christ so powerful? It's because of the source that was behind the force. I'm telling you, there's a God factor that we are overplaying sometime and putting in a negative rank and file in our life. There is no Satan that can outdo our God. There is no power of hell that can overwhelm our God. There is nothing out there that can overwhelm the source that's in us. I'm tired of people saying, may the force be with you. May the source be with you. The source that I have is greater than the force that I will ever meet. Wow. So I'm preaching. Old Testament, book of Judges. I read about a man named Gideon who had to conquer some mind monsters, and the greatest one was fear in conquering the Midianites. Israel faced unstable times. They socialized with other nations. They picked up some of the culture, beliefs, habits, and lifestyles that went along with that, causing their allegiance to God to deteriorate. It's amazing how things of the world can cause our allegiance to God to deteriorate. That's why it's important to be in the house of the Lord every time you get a chance to have your soul fed, to have your soul picked up. And they became passive, and the enemy took advantage of their passivity, and they overpowered them. And what the Midianites did for seven long years... Israel would plant crops and Israel would cultivate crops and Israel would grow up crops. And then when the crops came due and when harvest time came, they would even harvest those crops. And perhaps while they were still in the field trying to get them out of the field, the Midianites would swoop down on those crops and steal those crops. And so all the work that they had done for all that time, all the summer, all the fall, all the stuff that they had done had gone to waste. They could not reap what they had sown. They could not harvest what they had gotten in the ground. And so Gideon is frustrated. He's afraid. Now, he's just an old plow boy. He's, he's a country boy. He's just a guy that, that was out there saying, what's, what's happened to all this? And finally, one day, an angel comes along in Judges chapter 6, and the angel came and sat down under with him under an oak tree, and an orphan belonged to Joash, his father. And, and, and Gideon was threshing wheat in a wine press to keep it from the Midianites. In other words, he was, he was hidden away to keep what he was doing away from the Midianites. And when the angel of the Lord appeared to Gideon, he said, the Lord is with you, mighty warrior. Now here's a guy hiding, hiding 
in a little cave, hiding in some wine press, hiding away in some cave. And, and here comes an angel because God knows how to find you in caves. I know a prophet that hid in a cave one day and the Lord said, what are you doing here? God can find you in caves. He knows where you are today. And the angel walks right up and said, the Lord is with you, mighty warrior. I, I, I like what the King James Version says. He said, God is with you, mighty man of valor. I like when God walks in and starts calling me something that hell hadn't called me in a long time. Oh, I'm fixing to preach. He said, pardon me, my Lord. Gideon, just, he just pardons himself all the time. But if the Lord is with us, why has all this happened? Where are all his wonders that our ancestors told us about when they said, Did not the Lord bring us up out of Egypt? But now the Lord has abandoned us and given us to the hand of the Midian. And the Lord turned to him and said, Go in the strength that you have and save Israel out of Midian's hands. Am I not sending you? Pardon me, my Lord. There he is asking for permission to speak again. But how can I save Israel? My clan, watch this now, is the weakest in Manasseh, and I am the least in my family. In other words, everybody, every one of my brothers can whip me, and I've got some sisters that can whip me also. I can't whip anybody. There's nobody I can whip. I will be with you, and you will strike down the Midianites, leaving none alive. Now, you know how it happened. He recruited 32,000 men. And God said, that's too many. So he sent 22,000 home. He said, if you're fearful, go home. And 22,000 left, left him 10,000. You know what happened then? God said, that's still too many. Let's go down to the water and have a water test. And he checked those that drank the water right. They drank water while they was watching for the enemy. And he said, 300 are left. 9,700 has got to go home. And he said, oh, God, yeah. really? Really? You're going to do this to me, God? But he put a pitcher in their hand. He put a lamp in that pitcher. He put a trumpet to their mouth. And at the signal, they were to break that pitcher so the light would shine and blow the trumpet. And that's all they did. They never had to use a sword. Because when God gets ready, when God gets ready to step in for your life and into your future, there's nothing that can stop you from doing God's favor in your life. There's nothing. Hell can't stop you. Can you imagine? Gideon didn't even have to fight. All he had to shout was the sword of the Lord and Gideon. He acted like he had one, but all they did was break a pitcher, let a light shine, and blow a trumpet. And the enemy started discomfitting themselves. Here's what I'm telling you. When God shows up like he's showing up today in church, when the Holy Ghost comes walking up and down the aisle of this place like he's doing right now. And he starts talking to you. Don't be afraid. Don't be fearful. Don't be fearful. You're a mighty warrior. You've got something. And go in your own strength and do what you can do and what you can't do, I will do. Because I am God and I am for you. Hallelujah. Fear. Is a paralyzing thing. The Winchester family. Out in California, the man that made the Winchester rifle and the Winchester firearms. He died suddenly one day. And a year later, his son died suddenly. And Mrs. Winchester was left with a, with a beautiful home that was not quite finished when the Winchester men died. And a soothsayer and a, a witch came to her, a fortune teller, and said, here's what you have to do, Mrs. Winchester, to keep away 
the evil spirits that destroyed your husband and destroyed your son. Here's what you have to do. You have to allow someone to come in and build on this home continually. For the day that the saw stops and the hammer quits is the day you will die. And many of you may have been out and seen the Winchester Mansion. It's still there. It's got over 100 rooms. It's got rooms that don't even have doors to them. It's got stairways that go nowhere. It's got doors that open to nothing. It's got all kinds of things. It was built just out of a man's imagination. He just kept building. Because Mrs. Winchester thought that when the building stopped, that everything was going to fall into her and she was going to die also. So the, 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 the fear of death caused her to keep building, keep building, keep building. Isn't it amazing? It's a, it's, a, it's, a, it's a metaphor for how hell works on us when we have a little bad luck in our life. He says, you know what you got to do? You got, you got to build this because this is bigger than what you think it is. Maybe you lost a child. Maybe you lost a marriage. Maybe you lost a home. Maybe you lost some kids. Maybe some things happened. And, and hell is saying, this is really bigger than that. You just, it's, it's just a started to deteriorate in your life. It's going to come greater than you've ever imagined in your life. You're going to see things that's bigger than you've ever imagined in your life. And these mind monsters get bigger and bigger. And what we do, we just build and build and build and build and build and build and build. Because the th- we think the day that we quit building that we're going to face some extermination. We're going to face some penance ourselves, And we can't stand that. So we allow hell to build these big old dreams, big old things in our life called mind monsters. And we can't get over them. I'm talking to somebody right now that may be abused when you were a child. I'm speaking to somebody right now that may have gone through a broken home of your mom and dad and you can't get over it. You just can't get past it because you can't have a relationship. You cannot have the right kind of feelings for people because you have seen so much negative in your life. But I rebuke that in the name of the Lord. We're going to bring down every thought. We're going to make it captive. We're going to bring it down every stronghold that rises itself up. We're not going to keep building big old mind monsters in our life. We're going to build homes of peace and homes of prosperity and homes of God's favor and homes of the Holy Ghost in our lives and our hearts. Say amen to that. I refuse. So Gideon, Gideon looks at this man. He says, you're a mighty warrior. You're a mighty warrior. And Gideon said, no, I'm really just an oppressed slave farmer. And I'm discouraged about life. And God says, no, I see you different than you see yourself. And I see your condition different than you see it yourself. There's a beautiful scripture in Isaiah. I'm going to quote it for you, Isaiah 55. It says, for my thoughts are not your thoughts, says, says the Lord, and your ways are not my ways. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways and my thoughts and your thoughts. And we've always thought that that means God thinks on a bigger scale than us. It does, but it really doesn't. What that means is when you think you can't make it, God is saying, you got what it takes. When you think that you can't get over this last hurdle, God is saying, you've got it. You've got it because you've got me. I hadn't gone away. Oh, you've made mistakes, but I hadn't gone away. I'm still here. I'm still for you. I'm here to tell you God doesn't think where you think because God still looks at you through Calvary's cross. Hallelujah. And you look at yourself, and when you see yourself with these mind monsters, you don't see Calvary's cross. But in the name of the blood of Jesus today, 
in the name of the blood of Jesus today. In the name of the blood of Jesus today, I wipe every transgression. I wipe every mind monster. I wipe it out. And I want these people to understand they are mighty warriors in the kingdom of God. And there is nothing that they can't conquer in the name of the Lord. Say amen to that. Say amen to that. So Gideon said, if all this is true, why has all this happened? Gideon was dealing with negative. He was dealing with experiences in life that had got into his head. Remember this. Just because something negative has happened to you or trouble shows up, you don't have to let it go to your head. You don't have to let it go to your heart. When times are their worst, you don't have to get discouraged. You don't have to accept defeat. You don't have to let what you don't understand intimidate you and drive you to a place where you question yourself and then you question God and you question his ability. Say amen to that. You have to learn to remain confident. Somebody asked me one time, said, what do you do, Pastor, when you don't feel God? What do you do when you can't get an answer? I keep doing what I did the last time I felt God. I just keep doing it. I've been in those places. I know what I'm talking about. I've been there. I know what it is to say, wow, it's like brass heavens. Wow, I don't think God's hearing me. So I remember what I did the last time that I knew that God was blessing me, and I keep doing those things. I don't get off track. You don't get off track. You don't let mind monsters get big like the Winchester Mansion. You don't let it become a 100-room story house in your home, in your mind. You don't let that happen. You've got to understand that God is able to give you a peace even in the midst of your storm. Clap your hands and rejoice to that right now. Everybody say, you cannot have a positive life with a negative mind. You can't do it. If you want your life experience to be positive, abundant, joyful, overflowing, peace. If you want a successful Christian life, have a great marriage, have a great relationship, overcome adversity, you have to repeatedly, consistently drive out the negative invaders in your mind. You cannot let them get in your mind. And then when Gideon started saying, pardon me, sir, but you don't understand how weak we are and how bad I am. He said, I want you to go in the strength that you have. It's an amazing thing to me what kind of strength we have when we have to have it. See, what hell thinks he can do, the Bible said he wants to wear out the saints, and, and I'm not far from finishing. He wants to wear us out. So he wants to erode our faith. He wants to erode our faith. You know, it's not like getting in the ring and fighting him. It's not like a devil with a pitchfork and you're trying to dodge a pitchfork. It's not that at all. It's just the erosion of mind monsters. It's the erosion of doubts. It's the erosion of fear. It's the erosion of, of self-confidence. It's the erosion of things that just come into our life. And these mind monsters get bigger and bigger and bigger. And before you know it, you're saying, oh my God, help me. I had an aunt one day that was traveling home from a particular town in Oklahoma on her way to the farm. And, and they got into some rain and, and a sudden squall of rain and, and it came over the road and the, and the car was swept the car was swept off the road. It was swept off the road. And it turned upside down in a ditch. And her, her babies were in that car. Three babies were in that car. She's dead and gone now as my mom's sister. But uh, there was something that got a hold of her. Something got a hold of her. She said, I, I, I don't know what it was. I, I just don't know what it was. But I felt like I could lift that car out of that ditch. It's amazing. A woman. So, so what she does, she goes around to the other side. She jerks that door open. 
she jumps in that car, she pushes the oldest boy out and makes him walk up and then she grabs the, the middle child or the baby and takes him out and then the middle child is waiting on her and the water is flowing through the car and it looks like disaster and a woman who could not swim who could not swim got in the water and water was flowing like a river and it was gushing in that, in, that, in, that, that, in that ditch and she was already up to her shoulders and it was coming up to her neck and she said, I've got, I've got to go under and I, I don't want to go under. But something made her do what she could never think possible before. She went in with her eyes closed, felt for the baby. The baby was still had his head up, still breathing. She got the baby out, brought it on shore and that baby is still my cousin today and he drives me crazy. His name is Ronnie Ted, and he drives me crazy. He calls me all the time, and he's got all kinds of prophecies for me. And Ronnie, you don't have to call me today. It's all right. Maybe she shouldn't have saved him. No, I'm teasing. No, I'm teasing. But it's amazing what kind of strength you have when you have to have strength. Somebody say amen to that. I want to tell you something. Hell wants your family. Hell wants your children. Mind monsters want you. They want to destroy you with negative thinking, with self-pity, with fear, with doubt, with intrepidation, with, with self-hurt. Self, self, self they want to destroy you. Mind monsters want to build a huge mansion in your brain and tell you that if you quit thinking about these things, that things are going to get worse. I'm here to declare to you right now, you have strength in you because there is a source that still lives in you that's greater than the force that's trying to stop you. And I'm here to preach to you right now. Get a hold of some strength in your own heart. Don't lay down and let hell take the victory in your life. Stand up. Stand up. Stand up. And say, I will fight for my family. I will fight for my home. I'll fight for my mind. I will not be defeated. Oh, hallelujah. 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 Deuteronomy 33 and 25 says, Thy shoes shall be iron and brass, and as thy days, so shall thy strength be. I use this in our last men's Bible study when I talk to men about this thought. As thy days shall thy strength be. As thy days shall thy strength be. In other words, the God is saying, you've got enough strength for this day. Don't let hell think you don't have enough. You, got, you can fight this battle today. You can go through any trial today. Quit worrying about tomorrow with this trial. Oh, let me preach. You've got enough strength for today. I'm going to make your shoes iron and brass. And as thy days, so shall thy strength be. I feel an anointing in my spirit right now. You've got enough strength for right now. You've got enough power for right now. Quit worrying about tomorrow. He didn't say, I'm going to give you strength for tomorrow. But when tomorrow gets here, it becomes today. He said, I'm going to give you strength today. And when tomorrow gets here, it's another day. And I'm going to give you strength today. Don't worry about tomorrow, tomorrow, tomorrow. Get up on your feet today and say, this is my day and I will win this war today. Hallelujah. Pastor, what about the fact of predisposition? Well, what about it? 
well, you know, there's some genes in me. I have certain tendencies in my life. Well, that's good. I know there's some people that have a lack of serotonin. That's a happy gene. And there's a lot of people who can't get happy. In Jesus' name, serotonin coming at you. You know, I'm, I'm a pretty happy fella. I really am. I'm a happy guy. I'm not gay. I'm happy. But in all my happiness, suicide's a predisposition in my family. Never, never shared it with you. Had a cousin that killed five of his family members and killed himself several years ago. Had a brother that lost his life by self-inflicted wounds. Had an uncle that took his life. There's a lot of suicides in my family. And that's why Octavius Bishop, when you came to this church several years ago, and you were single and you weren't hooked up to a beautiful woman, I always took you to eat, son, because I don't dine alone good. Right. Now you understand why. I'm not going to get by myself. Yeah. If you're the ugliest, ugliest man and the poorest, poorest person in this church, and I don't have anybody to eat with, and you're available, I'm going to say, come on, I'll buy you a burger. <laughs> because I'm not going to allow myself to get into some predisposed idea. If situations were in my family, sin questions were in my family, I would keep myself so far away from that because I'm not going to allow myself to have mind monsters to come into my mind to take me to a predisposed position of life. Are you, are you with me today? Amen, amen. You don't need to think on those things. You don't need to think on those things. So what do I do? I, I love people. I want to hug you at the front door. I want to tell you you're special because you are. Because I'd hate to preach to an empty pew today. It's great to have people in pews. But here's what I'm telling you, folks. Here's what I'm saying to you. That it's important to understand that when predispositions in your life, you don't have to fall to that just because it's in the genetics. Amen? Amen? The last time I checked, my heavenly father don't have any predispositions. Except joy, except peace. And when I signed on with him, I think I lost the genetics of my family. I think I got a brand new heart. I think I got a brand new mind. I think I got a brand new spirit. I think I started all over again. I was born again. And there's nothing like that in all the world. So clap your hands and say, I can make it in this life. Everybody say, Pastor, I'm going to get started now. In the, in the strength that I have. Remember the scripture. We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. We take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. Wow. Now, Gideon is fearful. He's called a mighty warrior. He says, I'm, I'm the least in my family. I got brothers and sisters here with me. And God said, go in the strength that you have. And then the Lord says to him in verse 16, I will be with you and you will win. He actually said, you'll strike down the Midianites. But what he said, you're going to win, Gideon, you're going to win. So the battle for your mind, point three, is your battle to win. Everybody say, I'm going to win. And on the first day of mind monsters, Everybody say, I'm going to win. I'm not going to lose in the battle 
of the mind. Romans 12 says, do not conform to the pattern of the world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. You know, trains, thoughts are like trains. You have a train of thought. Trains take you places. I close with this today. Uh, <clears throat> several years ago in New York City, I took my staff to New York City. I saved a bunch of points and flew them all on American Express points and for $5 a piece went to New York City and they helped with their hotels and I bought their meals and we had a wonderful time. And it was back in the day when we did not have Mitch Rose to be our subway supervisor. Mitch knows subways better than he knows anything. He's a subway king. So I was the subway man. I know nothing. So I get on the subway and, you know, I'll talk, I'll talk to a door. <laughs> and I saw this guy and I said, hey, hey, are we on the right train to Brooklyn? We was going to Brooklyn Tabernacle. We was going to look at it. Had a brand new church and Pastor Simbola is my buddy and we was going to go look at Pastor Simbola's church. And so I said, we're on our way to Brooklyn, Brooklyn Tab. And I noticed that his, his language was a little bit broken. He said, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I know where that is. It's okay. We're going to follow you. Well, what he didn't understand was that when I said we was going to follow you, I think he thought we was going to follow him and, and take his money or something. I don't know. We never got on the same page, but we're on this train. We get, we get to Brooklyn, and we get off the train, and this guy starts walking, and I said, there he goes, guys. Let's get him. And so, <laughs> Jonathan and Nate and Russ, and we just start, we start striding. We're, we're, we're going to get him. <laughs> and he, he sees us and he, he goes faster. So we think he wants to get us there in a hurry. So we go faster because he probably knew church time was starting or something. And we follow him for about six blocks. And we're in... We're not in good sitting. Good, we're not good. It's not good right there. About that time, the guys were laughing, and they said, Pastor, I, I think you brought us here to a pretty bad place. There's a gang right over here, Pastor. Don't look. Don't look. There's a gang right over here. And I do believe I, I, do believe I saw that man on America's Most Wanted right here. And I had, to, I, I, had to, I had to do it. I had to, had to stop and say, guys, I don't think that guy really ever understood what I was saying. And we got on, we got on the wrong train. And here we are, somewhere, God, where are we? Somewhere in Brooklyn, New York. So we retraced our steps. And uh, I called a bus, called a bus driver, and I, he opened the door, and I said, I need to go to Brooklyn Tab. He said, oh, sir, it's a little ways from here. Really? So he, he took us on the bus and dropped us off. And so we were the first to make planes, trains, and automobiles. John Candy didn't make that movie first. We did. So we got there. But what I'm trying to tell you is this. The trains, thoughts will take you places that you don't want to go.
just don't want to go. It's not good for you to go there. It's good for you to be in the presence of the Lord. Woman, St. Louis had a man move into her house one day to help share the rent. It was just a civil arrangement. They were not boyfriend, girlfriend. She just needed help with the payment. And about three months in, he quit making his payments. So she tried to get him to leave, and he wouldn't leave. She begged him. She conjoled him. She pled with him. She threatened him. He laughed. So she finally one day went to an attorney and said, I, I need a little help. I've got, a, I've got an unwanted person in my, in my house. I need some help. So the attorney turned her on to a judge that would give her a, an order, order of injunction. And she took that order and she read it to that guy and she said, you will leave today. You will leave today. She got, she got authority when she had this order from the judge. You'll leave today. And the man packed his bags and he left that day because it all matters who says it. So what I'm telling you today in the name of the Lord is that if mind monsters are not leaving your mind, you might need to plead your case and go get a, an order from the Lord Jesus Christ and read that order to that mind monster and say, fear, you're gone. Guilt, you're gone. Helplessness, you're gone. Worry, you're gone. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, you're out of my life. You're out of my life. I believe with all my heart that it's that simple. It's not a difficult thing. Hell makes it difficult because he swells your mind with a mansion of fear. And he makes you believe that if you ever stop thinking like this, you will never succeed. He's a liar. Stand to your feet. You're awesome people. I love you very much. I love you very much. Clap your hands all over. Mind monsters. Mind monsters. Everybody say, I'm going to win. I'm excited about teaching this series the next couple of weeks. I'm very excited about it. I really, really am. It's a, I know you've got the book. But some of the stories I told today is not in your book. Because it's faith comes by hearing. Everybody say by hearing. hearing. And hearing by the word of the Lord. I want our prayer partners to come up here. We've got just a little bit of time. And if some of you would like to have prayer in your life right now, I, I know it's 1030, but I want our prayer partners to come quickly. And if you'd like for somebody to pray with you today, maybe you're wrestling with some things, maybe you're battling some things in your life. I don't know what it would be. I don't know. But whatever it is, God is able. You believe that? God is able. And we do not pray for people in the middle of service anymore. We're trying to get a little better. And that concludes today's podcast. Thanks again for listening.